John's Gospel, chapter 15. I'm just going to lift out a few verses. John's Gospel, chapter 15. Um, we'll begin reading at verse 18. The Lord Jesus is the speaker. And listen to the word of the Lord. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know him not that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your own divine and inspired word to our hearts already. We thank you, Lord, for this word that's in our hearts and in our hands. And now we ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, to help me to open up the treasures that are within the word of God. And Father, use me for your glory and for your honor. I ask it in his name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The world hates the Lord, and it will hate you too. Christian, the world hates the Lord, and it will hate you too. Sometimes Christian is a word now that's diluted. Very much so because we think of Christian and there are many variations of people who would say they're Christians and they're not. They don't believe in justified through his blood. They don't believe in salvation by grace through faith alone and Christ alone. According to the scripture alone, giving glory to God alone. They don't believe it, they won't accept it and yet call themselves Christian. There's those who call themselves Christian and They hate us too because we would stand for those truths. Just this week, I'll tell you how this word has come. I've just jotted things down, some quotations and some scriptures to look at, depending how God leads us this morning. And as you know, we're going to Portadown Town Hall this Thursday night at 8 o'clock. We're going to be speaking on Bible prophecy and Brexit and going to be looking at it in prophecy. And through this week, we have been attacked for it. I personally have been, and other men in our fellowship have been, who have been not only given out leaflets, but have been received phone calls. I received a message online, and I happened to be able to find a little link, and it was from an Irish Republican socialist. And they phoned up the Portadown Town Hall, looking for it to be stopped. And they're not even from Portadown. <laughs> they're from Belfast. I also had another one who, his banner looked as if he was from sort of the LGBT movement. 
One of our men in our fellowship had a, a, a phone call calling him a, a few things. One of them being is that, uh, that because we are holding these meetings that um, we're extremists. Now, if you mean extremists, that we extremely love the Lord Jesus Christ, he's real. <laughs> if he's, he says we're extremists because we hold to the truths of the word of God, then that's true, we're extremists. And if he means extremists because we'll stand against the world and the things of it, then that's what we are. That's right. Amen. We're not extremists to hit people. That's right. Or want any hurt or harm. Um, I've been getting phone calls late at night. Silence in the background and little noises, you know, dropping the phone. and yeah, It's been happening and going on. All because men love darkness rather than light. I was thinking about this, praying about it. There's other things that's happened and just not go into it. And nevertheless, in God's will, we'll be pressing on. We'll be having our meeting. And God will be glorified. Christ will be exalted. Others that have been speaking, um, and it's maybe shaking them a bit. I was praying about this, and not only that, but this in general, this dropped into my spirit, and I thought, this scripture, and I just literally jotted a few things down, and I hadn't even written anything, and I sent the title to Denise, who puts our posts up for us and writes it out. And it just came to me, you know, the world will hate you. If it hates the Lord, it'll hate you. And just as I'd given that out, lo and behold, I seen a text scripture from our brother Jeff here. And it was the exact same confirmation of this word this morning and I thought I've just that's my text for Sunday morning thank you Jesus thank you Lord but the more I thought about it I walked for seven miles yesterday yes I walked for seven miles yesterday (laughs) (laughs) and for quite periods I was with Alison quite a few periods of time through that I was quiet, and as we were walking, the Lord was just dropping things into my heart. Had to keep writing some things down this morning, even just early, I don't know, seven o'clock this morning. And this is where this message has come from. For what do we expect, brothers and sisters, in a dead and darkened world? A world that's in its sin and shame, but to be hated by them. You see, the church nowadays has become so politically correct, it wants to be loved by the world. It wants to be accepted by the world. And what we must realize is as the blood-washed, born-again believers, we don't want to be accepted by the world. We want to win the world to Christ. And we don't want to be part of the world and partake of the things of the world. Because that speaks of death and destruction and, and Christ speaks of life and hope. And the more I've thought about this, I've thought of brothers and sisters who have struggled recently. Maybe they're under pressure at work because no one else is a Christian, no one else is, is a believer, or maybe at home or family or whatever, or maybe others have come into company where they shouldn't have been and has pulled them down. Listen, brothers and sisters, what do you do with that? You repent of it and you go on with God. Go on with God this morning. Forget about it. Put the past behind you and move on in God. Go to him in prayer and let it be a final time to let the devil hold you back, for that's what he'll want to do. But the more I've looked at it, the more I've thought about it, the more I've prayed about it, the more I've mused over it and on it and thought about all of these things and all these sort of the thoughts and emotions go on in your mind. You know, and I've had people trying to antagonize me with little things all week. Not from here, I mean outside. Trying to antagonize me in the arguments and trying to pull us down because of it. And brothers and sisters... As I've looked through it and as I've mused on it, you do get that little old man wants to come out. You have to crucify him afresh and allow the Spirit of the Lord to take over the leading of your life. And it's easy to be, uh, allow ourselves to be uh, discouraged 
and to let things come into our lives to, to start to, to dampen the spirit of the heart, the, the drive and the passion that we have for Christ to go on in him. The more I thought about it, and I feel that what I'm going to bring is partly, and you know me, I don't do this. I believe it's prophetic what the Lord has shown me. And a blind man on a galloping horse could see it, but many don't. Here's what dropped into my spirit this morning. About 6.30. You ready? There will be a sifting and there will be a shifting. There will be a sifting and there will be a shifting. Look, the, 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 throughout the scriptures from the Old Testament right through from uh, Adamic to Hebraic to Israelitish, right through the church age, if you want to call it. Right through that, there's been riot and revival, persecution with the promise. And the sifting will come to the church in general because there'll be those who can't stand the heat anymore. And they'll wane and go off. They'll be afraid and they'll disappear. It made me think, and write it down. We haven't time to go through these tonight, or pardon me, this morning. But in Judges chapter 6, where uh, Gideon is the man behind the, the wine press threshing wheat. Strange place to thresh it, isn't it? And we can look at him as being the cowardly man because he's hiding and the angel of the Lord finds him there and calls him a mighty man of valor. And we could say, you know, you know, well, he's a card because he's hiding. Listen, the Midianites were everywhere. There was rat everywhere, as it were. And, and the Midianites were up against him, up against Israel. But at least he was out doing it. He was there. He might not have had much courage. You see, people think, but people, like, step out in faith. That there's no fear. And here's what I've written down. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that someone else or something else is more important. I want to say it again. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important. Do you ever feel fear, Ken? Yes, I do. But I deem the cause of Christ more important. I deem the word of God more important. And when there's fear comes, I deem the kingdom of God more important. And the souls of men and women more important. It drives me on to say, well, fear not those that can kill the body, but rather fear him that can kill, put, kill body and soul, both body and soul in hell. Rather to have the fear of the Lord rather than the fear of man. Anyhow, the scripture tells us when we come to that place in Christ, in that place of prayer, place of fellowship together we are today, God has not given us the spirit of fear or the word can be timidity. Too many timid Christians today. Freer to stand up. Freer to speak out. Freer to step forth. Afraid of what the world will say. Afraid of what the government will do. Afraid of the political correctness of the hour and of the day. And, and they're afraid and they, they, they roll up into the ball and they act like the hedgehog that's in the, in the, in the, the byways of the road. If I roll up here and none can touch me. Do you know, brothers and sisters, God hath not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love and of power and of a Sound mine. What are you afraid of, sister? What are you afraid of, brother? Notice when Gideon is then threshing, he calls a mighty man of valor. Gideon tries to excuse himself. At least he's doing something. At least he's there. And he might not be up to much because he starts rhyming off who his family is or isn't in the, in the pecking order of things. And, but it's the Lord had seen not what Gideon was, 
But the Lord had seen who Gideon would become. And what Gideon could do with God working in him and through him. And brothers and sisters, the Lord sees you. Sister, the Lord sees you as a mighty man or a mighty woman, as it were, of valor. You say, but I'm afraid, I'm timid. I can't. Brothers and sisters, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things for the kingdom of God. When we go into Judges chapter 7, we see how the Lord even cuts Gideon down further. 32,000 men. Wow, I'm strong now, Lord. Of everybody with me in the church. Of everybody on my side. The Lord says, Gideon, if anybody's afraid, tell them to go home. Here's what the Lord has dropped into me, brothers and sisters. The time is close. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I feel I'm prophesying this morning. The time is close. The day is near at hand. God is sifting the church that there will be those who will not be afraid. There will be those who will be standing firm. Be those who will stay strong, whom he will raise up for the day and the hour that is ahead of them, that his name will be glorified in our nation and in our land. I feel it is to our people this morning. I feel it's to me. I feel it's to CET. I feel it's whoever will watch live or later. The Lord says there is a sifting coming. It's going to come here. Where we're going to have to stand are those, I tell you before, there are those who are way out there somewhere. Their heads are in the clouds. Uh, they're full of sweetie mice, as we would say, eating too many cheese sandwiches, brothers and sisters. And they're making a nonsense of the things of Pentecost. Too many of them, brothers and sisters. And we need to take a stand against that as well as we would as, as much as the Church of Rome. Or the apostate Anglicanism. Notice, the Lord is going to sift. The those will not be able to eat strong meat, but rather will look for places to drink sweet milk. That's what the Lord's dropping into me. May CET be the place of strong meat. May we stay faithful to Christ. There will be a shaking. Whenever Gideon has his men at the river, we're told there's 32, uh, pardon me, there's 32,000, uh, are afraid and go home. Imagine that. 22,000 are afraid out of 32,000. It leaves 10,000 men. Sure, still a goodly number. The Lord says, tell them to drink. And those who went and lapped hand to mouth, 300 were left. 9,700 were not fit for the task. And God is raising up that army of 300. Not literally. But the men and women who are willing, who are keeping circumspect, not head in the waters to drink and drink until there's no vision left. Notice, the Lord Jesus says, you'll be hated because I was hated first. You'll be hated Because they hate me. What are we to do? We're to press on into power. We're to pursue his presence. We are to be passionate in our praise. We are to be patient for the promise. And we're to persevere onto the prize. Thinking of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32 and verse 26. He says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And brothers and sisters, it's time where we uh, understood that unless we wrestle on through, many are going to fall by the wayside. I'm not trying to, I'm not a, a, a fear monger here, but I'm just telling you the truth. It's coming a time and it's going to have to be coming soon.
pray through. Don't be through praying. Did you hear that, brother? One sister, did you hear me? Hello? Well, I'm trying to get you awake here. It's time, church. Get awake. It's not a condemnation. and I'm trying to help you. Pray through. Don't be through praying because your next prayer could be the breakthrough. Don't be giving up and don't allow things to, to hinder you. On the 29th of October 1941 at Harrow School in England, Winston Churchill got up for a speech and he says, Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Never give up, never give up, never give up. And brothers and sisters, the church of God in the land in our nation, in the province of Ulster, we're rolling over, we're giving up, we're giving in, and we're laying down our tools and our arms, our weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. But instead, the church are dropping their armor, and they're allowing themselves to be walked over by the government, and by the world. Allowing the things of the world to infiltrate from our children up and down. What you watch, what you show them, what they see, right. how they're taught, That's right. television programs. Already their little minds are to accept the things of the word. You see, the pessimist sees the problems in every opportunity. Listen, whatever you're facing, wherever you are in life, the pessimist sees the problems in every opportunity, whereas the optimist sees the opportunity in every problem. So what do we see whenever we see opposition for our meeting on Thursday night? Well, you can be a pessimist and say, oh, I don't know about this, we'll get into trouble. Let's just back off and take an easy life. Not at all, brothers and sisters. Amen. Never. Never. Amen. Never. Sound like somebody else, don't it? <laughs> Should have said that one more gusto, shouldn't it? <laughs> We need to see the opportunity. Listen, when the devil is mad, it's time for us to be glad. (laughs) Because God is doing something. It means God is moving. And listen, it's the Spirit of God in us that irritates the demons in them. That's what's wrong, brothers and sisters. Now, according to our word, as I said at the beginning of our meeting this morning, we are on the winning team. We're on the victory side. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to press on in God. And as Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice, he didn't say I backtrack. He didn't say I sit down. He didn't say I wane, I faint. He says I press toward the mark. It's time to press on. Galatians 6 and 9, Paul tells us, Let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. One brother or sister, I'm talking to you even in individual life. People are starting to faint and to get weary because they're allowing the word to infiltrate their hearts and their minds. They're allowing fears and anxieties to captivate them. Brothers and sisters, come on, let's realize that there is a battle ahead. There's a war to be fought, but we're on the winning team. We're on the winning side. There's a sifting. Turn with me to Isaiah, please. The book of Isaiah and chapter 30, please. These signs, these things that are happening just shows us that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Shows us that the Christ is even at the doors. And in Isaiah 30 verse 28 for our reading just, please. Let's go from 21st, 27. Behold, the name of the Lord cometh from far, burning with his anger, and the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue as a devouring fire, and his breath as an overflowing stream. 
He shall reach to the midst of the neck to sift the nations with a sieve of vanity. And there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people to cause them the air. Notice that all that's wrong that's going on at the minute, it looks like God is not in control. It's as if he's just let go of everything or he's lost his, his omnipresence or his omnipotence. Brothers and sisters, the Lord says, I'm on the throne and I'd press right into the neck to draw them by the jaw. Our God is still on the throne. He's still on the throne, he says, ye shall have a song as in the night when, the ho- when a holy solemnity is kept and gladness of heart as when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. Who are we worshipping this morning? We are worshipping the mighty one of Israel. Who do we praise this morning? The mighty one of Israel. Oh, he's our God this morning and he's our Lord. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. It's not beautiful. It's beautiful to those who are in Christ. The Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lightning, shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger, with the flame of a devouring fire, with scattering and tempest and hailstones. What is he saying to us? The Lord says, my people, There will be a sifting among the church and there's a sifting among the nations for my people. Brothers and sisters, see when we look at what's going on in in Europe, see when we look at what's going on with the United Kingdom, and I know all the stuff that's going on, I believe it's all of the Lord. (laughs) It's all of him. It's all of his doing. Notice, If you'll go with me to Isaiah 2, go back the way. Isaiah chapter 2. That there I go to verse 10. Enter ye into the rock and hide thee in the dust. For the fear of the Lord and the glory of his majesty, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of man shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. And upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan, and upon all the high mountains, upon all the hills that are lifted up, upon every high tower, and upon every fenced wall, and upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon all the pleasant pictures And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of man shall be made low and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for the fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth and shake terribly the earth and... In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty, when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he able to be accounted of? The Lord is saying, I'm still in charge. I'm still in control. I'm coming again. I'll shake the earth. I'll shake the nations. And he says, cease ye from worrying about these men whose breath is in their nostrils. Come on, brothers and sisters. This is what we need to be. I feel this, this is uh, pro- prophetic for the church. It's prophetic over our nation. I feel Ulster is in a, a terrible way now. Used to be little... Evangelical Ulster. There used to be little Ulster, the place of the blood in the book. And I can see more and more and more where little Ulster is sinking in a mire further and further than Catholic Ireland ever did. It's on its way, brothers and sisters. And you and I are the salt and you and I are the light. And if we do not savor and do not shine, then brothers and sisters, there is no more hope for our land. Think of the times when there's been persecution 
times when things have went hard. Listen, we have, for example, the like of Noah, the preacher of righteousness. He didn't win a big crowd, did he? But he stayed firm for the glory of God. Think of our Hebrew Israelitish uh, background from the Word of God, and I think of the like of uh, coming through time again. I think of Abraham, one man. I think of Isaac. I think of Jacob, one family. I think of a tribesman of 12 tribes. I think of a nation being formed. I think of a kingdom and them giving them a king. I think of this and the, the hardships and the trials, the testings and the temptations that they all went through. I think of the rising of Babylon. I think the rising of Babylon from Egypt to Babylon and the splitting of the nation into ten and two tribes. I think of the, of the house of Judah getting into Babylon. And they're, of course, starting where we would start from Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon through the European Union today. I think of, of Babylon following Israel. I think of the scattering. I, I, I think of the persecution of the early church. The, the, the apostles, how they were persecuted. And they stayed strong for Christ. I, I think of the early church when there was a Jewish persecution of the church. And I think of Saul who becomes Paul and, 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 and with Rome being implements to, uh, to, to not only that but to persecute Christ, the apostles and, and then the early church uh, and, and then from then coming from, uh, from Nero right to uh, Diocletian, ten, uh, ten Caesars that they went through uh, and the persecutions that were in them, ten main or major seasons, periods and times of persecutions, they, they would have took Christians and they had a, they had a dipped them in oil and they had tied them to posts all around where Nero's palace was and they lit them as human torches to light the way that people could see them. I think of them bringing them down into the Colosseum and their children, their little ones with them. And then bringing them down, all they needed to do was to throw salt or sands into the fire to worship, to heal Caesar, to proclaim him God on earth. And those who were saved by sovereign grace in Christ alone refused to bend and they refused to bow in the face of the persecution of pagan Roma. And their children were taken and put inside a dead animal like a cow or a calf or, 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 or some other animal. And they were sewed up inside it and they let the lions loose. And the lions devoured this animal with the live children inside while their parents stood and watched it. The cause of Christ was greater. And as the children squealed and screamed, parents just needed to say, Heal Caesar as my God. We're told they sang praises unto the Lord, for they knew they'd all be together in glory. Oh, that's faith. I think of that deadly wound and the rising again of a papal system. I think of the reformers. Burned at the stake at, uh, at the stake of Smithfield. I think of them being taken and the women with their, their babies cut out of their bellies. And drowned in the river bomb. Just across the way here. Because they wouldn't proclaim him. As the vicar of Christ and God on earth. Fifteen millions at least of them. I think of Henry VIII breaking away from the Church of Rome, and I think of him still with many of the trappings. And then comes along the reformers. John Knox in Scotland. I think of him preaching salvation by grace and no head of the church but Christ alone. Not Henry VIII. Not the Pope in Rome. And not Queen Elizabeth. Christ is the head of the church. 
and the early covenanters. The covenanters were persecuted by the Church of England. But they didn't give up. I think of John Wesley. Non-subscribing no longer to the Anglicized church then. Meeting the, the Moravians on the ship. He had a sense about them that something was in them he didn't have. And in a storm from the United States, he was afraid of his life. And these people were singing and worshiping and prayer meeting. And he asked them about him. They told him a more excellent way. Not in the trappings but in the Christ. These are the people who started a prayer meeting every night and it lasted for about 150 years. Every night. Souls that would rather die than give in. Think of John Wesley. You know the Methodists? We look at it today. Well, that's the Methodist church and that's the whole background of Methodism. Do you know he was persecuted? See, the revelation down through time, more revelation from Martin Luther, the just shall live by faith, yet he hung to the blasphemous mass. Did you know that? And the more revelation church has in the scripture we find the more persecution comes and and God sifts the whole way through and he finds a company, a remnant of men and women who will not bend nor bow to the wiles of the devil in the world. But this Laodicean age church before Christ returns of Revelation 3, they're taking in everything, they're bowing their knee at all and they're pledging their head the hell in many cases. I've read this before and I brought it with me. John Wesley's diary. You ready? John Wesley's diary. Sunday morning, the 5th of May. Priest at St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. No, that's enough for any preacher. Well, I'm downhearted now and I'm broken. That's it. I need, I need three months furlough. Okay. Isn't that true? I'm so hurt. Grow up, brother. <laughs> if you're a preacher, come on. Listen, I'll say it again. Sunday morning, the 5th of May, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday evening, 5th of May, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. (laughs) Sunday morning, the 12th of May, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. (laughs) Sunday evening, May the 12th, preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday morning, May the 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's, he writes. He can't even remember where he was. Preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said, I couldn't return. Sunday evening, May the 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May the 26th, preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow when a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday morning, June the 2nd, preached at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., the 2nd of June, late afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. You see, brothers and sisters, what if he had give up the first time? What if he hadn't took a stand the second time? What if he hadn't went to the next appointment the next time and preached the same? What if he had given up and given in? What if he had turned away and turned back? What if he said, there's no more preaching for me, there's no more in this for me? What if he had have done it, 10,000 people turned up, they hear him preaching? You see, you know what he done? He started preaching sanctification. 
I could preach to you about grace and love and fluffy clouds and puffy hearts, you know. I could preach all those lovely sermons, pats on the back and tickly ears, and you'd fill the place out and everybody would go home feeling very gay. Well, <laughs> the one for another word. Very happy. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Isn't everything just lovely? But that's not reality. The reality of the Word and the reality of Scripture and the reality of persecution and the reality of, of digging deep in the faith and going on with God. It's not the reality of what's out there, brothers and sisters. See, if you really love Jesus, you're going to be hated. And see if they don't hate you. If the world doesn't hate you, that is. If the world doesn't hate you, or, or, or these wishy-washy Christians who, who profess Christ, but don't possess Christ. Right. See if they don't hate you, I'm more concerned. Because when they see you, they'll say, oh, here he comes again, here she comes again. They're standing up for something. X, Y, Z. It doesn't go along with the political correctness. It doesn't go with the flow. It doesn't go with our jargon. It doesn't sit right with us. Good, good, and good again. As long as it's right in the word of God. Getting a bit animated for a Sunday morning, aren't I? I'm usually a bit more mellow. But I feel the Lord give me this for some. It's going to be a sifting. Be a shaking. <coughs> Puritan Philip Henry wrote this Our journey is uphill with a dead body upon our backs, the devil doing what he can to pull us down. Do you ever feel that? You ever think that? Yeah, me too. Me too. Brothers and sisters, when we look at the world, the world, if it loves us, we have something to be concerned about. Here's what the Lord Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and in verse 26. Woe unto you when men shall speak well of you. <laughs> Woe unto you when men shall speak well of you. Notice, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. You know why they hate you? Because you stand for the word. You stand for the truth. You know why they argue against you? Because you stand for the gospel. You'll stand for biblical truth. That's why they hate you. That's why they hate you in school. College. And work. You're a bigot. That's a badge of honor. Do you want me to tell you why? The word bigot, the Roman Catholic Church used to look at those from, of the early reformers and call them bigots or bigotes. Which where you get the word bigot from? And it means the bigotten of God. They claim to be begotten of God, the begots. I don't go out of my way to hurt or offend. I want to help. I do. But if someone calls me a bigot, thank you very much. <laughs> For the word of God, that is. Thank you very much. Because I am begotten of God. And I believe it according to the scripture. I believe it. Notice, time has flown already. We'll begin in another five minutes. Is that all right? We'll go on. We want you when men shall speak well of you. We all want. The church wants the world to speak well of them. Who, who likes to be in trouble? I don't. I don't look for it. I'd rather get out of the way of it. But when it comes to the service of Christ, there's no getting away in a world that we live in today. Unless you hide and don't do the service of Christ. Listen, here's something to encourage you. In 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 7, this is what the Lord said to Samuel when, the, when Israel wouldn't listen to him. They wanted a king. 
he's saying, but God's your king. Listen to what the Lord said to Samuel. They have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Christ in you. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 14. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Not going to receive you. You've told them the truth. You've given them the word. That's enough. Shake the dust off. Don't let even a grain of it hang around your heel. Move on to the next one. Because there's always somewhere else the elect of God will be found. Listen, you might find it slow. You might find it tough. You might find it hard. I laughed at this. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. You don't think of it like that, you don't. <laughs> By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Listen, Philippians 1 and 6, Paul says, I'm being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, you, he's not finished with you yet, brother. He's not finished with you yet, sister. And you're still pressing on toward the mark. And you're still running a race. You haven't finished it yet until you close your eyes. The sleep of death. Or until Jesus returns. Here's something for all of us. I know it says preach here, but we can do it about witness. Martin Luther says, always preach in such a way that if people listening to you Pardon me, always preach in such a way that if the people listening do not come to hate their sin, they will hate you instead. Did you get that? I hate him. Remember Saul, Jehoshaphat, all the prophets of Baylor brought out? Prophesy, are we going to win the battle? Oh, the Lord says, the Lord says, winning the battle, and then one prophet comes out and he says is there not a prophet of the Lord and, and here's what Saul says there is, there is one prophet Micaiah but I hate him because he always prophesies wrong to me <laughs> in other words he told him the truth he told him what he needed to hear not what he wanted to hear I'm looking somewhere to close thank you for your attention it's, I've so much in here to felt I had to get out John Wesley said, when you preach, men should either get angry or get converted. <coughs> eh? I wonder if you're converted, does that mean you're not allowed to get angry by the time I get out the door then? again? <laughs> Listen to Spurgeon again. If you are true and faithful to the Most High... Men will resent you for your unflinching fidelity since it is a testimony against their iniquities. Fearless of all consequences, you must do it right. You will need the courage of a lion unhesitantly to pursue a course which shall turn your best friend into your fiercest foe. But for the love of Jesus, you must be courageous you see brothers and sisters the, the word of God is not about us going out to deliberately offend whether you're from a Protestant background a Catholic background every one of us are sinners but the word of God remains the same no matter who you are or whether you're from any other of these groupings lobbyist groups the word of God can never change Write these scriptures down. Read them when you go home. Rats and revival. Again, you can read Judges 6. You can read Jeremiah 28, especially verses 8 to 11. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 32. You can read Acts chapter 6, verses 9 to 15. Acts chapter 17, verses 7 to 9. 
Acts chapter 19, verses 23 to 34. Acts 21, verses 27 to 35. All to do with threat, as it were, in revival or needing to stand forth in the day and the hour. Finish with this. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. This is the Lord speaking. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you have tribulation ten days. That's another subject to speak on that. Some think it's the ten emperors I mentioned earlier. Be thou faithful unto death, I will give thee a crown of life. Is he worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Is his crown worth it? Is the cause of Christ worth it? Is it worth the lusts? Is it worth the world? Is it worth the flesh? Is it worth the comfort zones and the things that we give over to? Is it worth it? Is it worth overcoming our fear for the cause of Christ? Does he deem more worthy than all things in our lives? Is he more worthy than all things in the universe? Is Christ worth it to you, brother? Is Christ worth it to you, sister? Is his cause not worth all of our lives every second of every hour of every day? Is Christ and his cause not worth it? And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, he says. I'm getting there. I hear how many people hate me every week nearly after that time I get There's always new ones. <laughs> nearly every week. No, who hates you now? I says, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. For me, it's the blood, it's the book, it's the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory, salvation of souls, it's the perseverance of the saints, and it's gone through the persecution of the church in this world for the coming of the Lord to off now. God bless his word to you, for Jesus' sake, amen.